Well, it's good to be together again. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We want to welcome everyone who's here. Some I haven't seen for a little while. Some I haven't seen for many years. Glad you're all here. The old friends, new friends. It's good to be together. God is good, and His mercy endures forever. Anyone else uh, feel the same way? Amen. Amen. God is good and His love endures forever. Welcome you that are here. Welcome you that are watching online. We're glad you're with us. My name is Mike Schroeder and I serve on the pastoral team along with my wife, Ev. And uh, I'm so proud and blessed to be uh, serving along with our lead pastors, Tanya and Matt Jansen. And uh, we're so, it's so good to be together. I have a word that I've been sort of a sign to preach today, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do a great job. But that's not really what's important, uh, to be honest. Uh, yeah, we don't need another good sermon. We need to hear from the Lord, right? Come on. And I do have a word for you from this message that I'm going to start with. So it's like, you know when, you turn, when you're watering the garden, and uh, the hose, you got the the nozzle on the end, the spring-loaded nozzle. You're supposed to have a spring-loaded nozzle, right, in our shortage of water. And, and it's, you know, it's on full, but it's shut off by this spring. And you turn it on, and it kind of gushes out. And I'm not going to warm, warm you up. I'm just going to gush it out right now. And the word is this, an end to dread of the judgment day. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I literally feel dread when I think of the judgment day. Am I, am I the only one? Anyone else here? I'm the only one. Oh, okay. Well, then this is for me. Good. I'll just tell you what the word was for me then. But there's a, there's a scripture in, um, I had to look it up. I don't know why it's my phone. There we go. Second Timothy, it says, uh, there's a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. See, it's, it's, this is a word for me. That's good. And not to me only, but to all of them that love his appearing. And I believe that today, for those of you that might, this might apply to but didn't want to raise your hand, we, we, we are people who can love his appearing and love the idea of Judgment Day and not dread the idea of Judgment Day. There's a scripture uh, that is not, I don't, oh, it is on one of the slides, number seven, in fact, slide number seven. Um, it says this in Romans 14, for who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. On Judgment Day, God's plan for you and me is that we will stand because of the grace of God. God is able to make you stand on that day. Come on. This is good news. The Judgment Day coming is good news. Some of you look like you believe it. Come on. 
Now, what I'd like you to do, and I know it's annoying sometimes, but I'm not going to do it for the whole sermon or anything. I'd like you to say this, but wait until I'm done, and then I'll tell you when to say it, okay? God is able to make me stand. On that day, God is able to make me stand. Can we say that? God is able to make me stand. On that day, God is able to make me stand. This is an end to dread. We're going to love His appearing. We're going to love the idea of Judgment Day. Because God is going to sort it all out. He's going to dot the I's and cross the T's and nothing will be left undone. And God, our God, is a God of justice. That's my assignment today, is faith, uh, faith in justice. Faith and justice. But we've been going through the whole book of James, and I'll tell you, this book is an amazing, a wonderful book, isn't it? And uh, we've gone through all different uh, subjects, but the, the main idea here, the big idea for this series is uh, in the introduction that we talked about in James chapter 2 and verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead also. And the question, the big question this summer is, what is the evidence of faith in your life? And there is an evidence. Look, you're here, you're watching. That's one of the evidences. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that now we're all perfect, but it's an evidence that we have faith. We're, I mean, you know, it's a beautiful day outside. We could be out, you know, playing golf or having coffee down on the beach, and I'm on my way. Just a second. No. Come, come up. Come back now. Come back now. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive right into this, uh, this awesome scripture. Lord, thank you for, uh, for your word. Your word is life. And as uh, Graham ministered earlier, your, your blessing is on your word. And I pray that your word would speak to me, speak to each one of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the day, the, 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 uh, the evidence of faith, we're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verse 11, to chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to fly past some of these scriptures, and we're going to stop at some of these scriptures, and it's just so rich. I, I'm going to have a, a, a lot to say because the Word of God is good. This is good material, really good material. And the, the question of faith and justice, faith and justice, we're going to be talking about justice. Uh, the Bible says that, that righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. And there's coming a day when we will see justice. Sometimes life is not fair. Did your kids or grandkids or yourself ever say in the last month, did, did, did you hear this? It's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Life is not fair right now. But there's coming a day when it's all going to be sorted out. Absolutely, for sure. What's the evidence of faith in your life in this context? It's when you trust God for a righteous, ultimate outcome. That's an evidence of faith. When you put your trust, when I put my trust, when we put our trust in God for 
a righteous ultimate outcome. And so we're just going to, you know, I'm going to be reading and preaching all along, and I've got some kind of, I've got some things to leave with you at the end. And if we get through all this uh, by noon, I'll be a happy camper. So the first little section here is uh, get off the bema. Now, bema is a Greek word, I think, and, uh, and it means judgment seat. And you and I need to get off the bema. That's a, a characterization of Pilate on the bema, uh, listening to the people accusing Jesus. And bema is a, a real deal, and, and it, 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 there was, you know, judgment seats literally set up in the day when this was written. And there's coming a day when we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the bema of Jesus Christ. But you and I, we need to get off the bema. We need to stay off the, the Bema, okay? Roman, or sorry, James 4, 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brothers and sisters. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12, there's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. And who are you to judge another? You know, judgment is a, a very difficult problem in our lives because so much of our lives have, have we've experienced issues and problems in our past, and it colors our perspective of other people. And then if someone sort of hurts us, well, no, someone truly hurts us, a lot of times we figure it's, well, it's mostly their fault, and well, it's partly their fault, but partly it's our perspective, and perhaps it's not the first time, you know, Jesus says, you know, Peter, Peter asked Jesus, well, he, you know, how, how many times should I forgive my brother, you know, he says, up to seven times, and he thought, oh man, now I'm really righteous, and Jesus says, well, how about 70 times 7? And kind of shut Peter up. <laughs> but it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do that. And what happens is that, that we, you know, if, if someone over here hurts me, and then someone over here sounds a lot like that person, I'm going to be judging them according to what happened in the past. And hearing them, they may not have really said anything like that, but it just sounded similar. And so now I'm judging them. And it, it, the Bible talks about how it defiles people. And it, it's a real problem. And so you and I, we need to stay off the Bema and trust God, put our trust in God, that there will come an ultimate righteous end to the situation. There's your first point. Pretty quick. That's good. The second part, uh, stay in shotgun. When you came to Christ, you called shotgun. Did you ever call, did you ever see, you know what I'm talking about when calling shotgun when you're driving along in the car and there's a driver and you want to sit in the passenger seat in the front, you call shotgun. Ever heard that expression? Okay. When you came to Christ, you called shotgun. You did not call driver. Okay. You're not the driver. I'm not the driver. We called shotgun. Jesus 
you know, you've got the wheel. You don't have to take the wheel. This is your thing, not mine. And you and I, we need to stay in the shotgun position and not try to get into the driver's, uh, the driver's seat. Verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, tomorrow or today we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Now, first of all, let me just say that, you know, that's business. And it's, it doesn't mean it's sinful, really, to say that. He's talking about your heart and my heart. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Remember what we're doing here the evidence of faith is that we put our trust in God and not in ourselves. God has given you many talents and you should have some plans. Literally, every one of us should have some plans. But we need to couch our plans in, a, in an environment of trusting God, not trusting ourselves. Does that make sense? And, uh, you know, my dear friend, Pastor Fanuel Maconzetta, I'm going to be seeing his family uh, in a few days, God willing. I'm going to tell you. My wife just asked the question, where is he? He is in Malawi, and I'm leaving tonight for a two-day trip to Malawi. But uh, I, my friend, Pastor Fanuel, passed away. But one of the things I picked up, actually two, two things I've picked up from Pastor Fanuel and uh, I started using these expressions, and I plan to use them more. And when you hear me, don't be annoyed. Just remember it's all about my honoring my friend, Pastor Fanuel Maconzetta. Okay? One of the things is when we make a plan, we just say God willing. So I'm going to, you already heard me say it just a few minutes ago, a moment ago. I'm going to Malawi this week, God willing. Now, the plane tickets are bought, you know, everything's arranged. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's just we're trusting God. You know, we, we've done our part. We're trusting God that it's all, it's all his work. And so, God willing, we're going to do this. And God willing, we're going to do that. I'm not telling you that you should say that. I'm just saying that's what I'm going to be doing more instead of less. And some of you have already commented over the past months. Yeah, you say that, God willing. Yeah, that's, that's right, because of the scripture. And especially my friend, I want to honor him. And the second thing I want to honor him, and that has nothing to do with the scripture, and that is, he, he says, you're most welcome. He doesn't just say you're welcome. He says, you're most welcome. And you've heard me, perhaps, if you've, if you've noticed, I say that enough, but I'm going to be saying it more. That's because that's what I picked up from my friend. But especially this other one, it belongs in the sermon. God willing, we have a plan. God willing, we'll be out of here by noon. Well, not out, because we're all going to help tear down. But, and we have coffee. We have goodies after church, so it's going to be great. Um, but the, even in, in, when you're writing, you could even put the initials, uh, the letter D and the letter V, after any kind of a statement. And, it's, and that, that stands for the Latin Deo Volente, and that means God willing. So there, it, it's, it's a thing to say that. So we stay in the shotgun. So if you go to uh, the next slide, number nine, if you would. And in Proverbs, uh, I, I thought you'd like that car. And you see the one guy's got the wheel, and the other guy's in shotgun. 
and, and that's the, they just, if, if the guy in shotgun tries to take the wheel, it's not going to work well. It's not going to go well. We can make our plans, it says in Proverbs. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So there's that humility that comes when we stay in the shotgun and not try to take over. Okay? The next, uh, the next section, I've entitled it, You Think? And uh, we're going to start in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Come now, you rich. Incidentally, that's a comparative word. And where I'm going, God willing, this week, all of us in this room are very rich <laughs> compared to them. Just saying. Uh, Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Uh, <laughs> this is fairly heavy. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion shall be a witness against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've heaped up treasure. Isn't this encouraging? You've heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears, the ears of the Lord of hosts. You've lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury, and you've fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Okay. Now, let me just say a couple of things about this, because uh, it's, it's kind of heavy. It's kind of like all-encompassing. Anyone who's got more than 14 cents in their wallet, whatever. But, but frankly, he's, there's some things about this uh, that I'd like to point out, and I think that's on the next slide. First of all, it says, um, it doesn't say, I said, James may not have known any of these people personally. You know, this book was written to the, the Christians scattered all across the then known world, and, and not all the people that had money were like this. In fact, there's stories of people, including someone you've heard of, Barnabas, who had money, had property, gave some of it away, didn't give it all away, and they were able to function uh, because they had the money and the, 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 the means to be able to function. So it's not like every person that has money. Abraham was very rich, King David. I've been reading through the, the, you know, the stories of the kings, and, and wow, you know, there's, there's a lot of money in, in, that, in that country including the kings that got a lot of it too. James may not have known any of these people personally, but God knew them very, very well. And those that were being addressed by this uh, scathing comment, they were looking out for number one, but God sees the poor and the needy. And you know, there's times in your life and mine when we feel like we just don't have enough. We've got bills that come in, unexpected things, you know, cars break down, things happen, uh, things break, and we don't know how it's all going to work out. God's, God cares about that. God knows that, and God sees you, and He cares about you. And, uh, and you know, he, he knows. He's kind, and uh, God is able to make you stand. Uh, they thought they could get away with cheating, cheating their employees and servants, but God has the final say. There's coming a time. 
If you've been unfairly treated, there's coming a day when God is going to look out for you. There's coming a time. It's in the future. It's not here. It's in the future, and it's in a better place. Eye has not seen. Come on. Ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those whose hearts are toward him. God is able to make you stand on the judgment day. He's going to sort it all out. In fact, that's, uh, that is the next title. Eyes dotted, T's crossed. God's got this. And uh, the words uh, jot and tittle refer to the, the, cap, the dot on the I and the cross on the T. And we're going to run through these, these scriptures here, uh, starting in verse 7, chapter 5. Therefore, be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. So, also, be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. And it's nearer now than it was when this book was written. Jesus Christ is coming again to judge the living and the dead. He's coming in the future from now. It could be tomorrow. It could be a long, long time from now by our perspective. But Jesus Christ is coming. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And what do we do about that knowledge? What we do is this. We be patient. I'm going to wait on you. That's the wrong key. The, the ambulance is in the wrong key. <laughs> I'm going to wait on you. Be patient. Be patient. And establish your heart. Set your heart. Set your heart to, to believe the Lord. In the NLT, it says, take courage. In the voice translation, strengthen your resolve. In the message, stay steady and strong. We set our hearts to put our trust in the living God because He is the one. He is the one who is going to look after us. And the evidence, the evidence of faith in this situation in life was when you trust God for a righteous, ultimate outcome. Amen. Verse 9, don't grumble against one another, lest you be condemned. Now that word condemned, we use that somewhat incorrectly a lot, if I may say. Uh, generally, when the Bible uses the word condemned, it's not talking about how you feel about your life and feel like a bad Christian. Sometimes it is in the Scriptures, but actually it's a far more important, deeper, crazier word than that, and it has to do with judgment. It has to do with being condemned by God Almighty on Judgment Day. That's usually what it means. And so when it says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus... It's a lot more important than how you feel about your life today. It's like eternal freedom. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
That's like a huge eternal statement. It's not just about, well, how do I feel about blowing it today? Well, God is able to make you stand. So there's no dread. There's loving His appearing for us who are in Christ because God is able to make you and me, to make us stand. Oh, hallelujah. I know you're dancing on the inside. We're Canadians here. All right. Verse 10. My brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. What end? Well, it's kind of hard for me to figure this all out, but the end of Job's life was much, much better than the beginning, which was pretty awesome. And he lost it all, but the end, the end was amazing. The end intended by the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Okay, when you're thinking about Judgment Day, remember this about my Jesus. He is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, okay, above all, above all of the things you've just heard, above all, do not swear. Now, he's not talking about naughty language. Don't do that either. But don't swear. Well, you know, I can't even remember. How, how do you swear? What's an example of swearing? By, I, I swear by the heavens. That's not how we would talk. But anyways, I swear by the heavens that I'm going to do such and such, or I'm not lying. Listen, you and I, we, we don't even know our own heart half the time. Okay, God's the judge of our motives, and God's the judge of whether, what the truth really is. It's going to come out. God's, God's got this. Okay, every I is going to be dotted. Every T is going to be crossed. You and I don't need to stand up and establish our credibility or authority because you know what? God's got this. Okay? We can do our best and we're going to be honest. Anyone going to be honest besides me? Come on. We're going to be honest. You're going to be not just like today, but you're going to be honest tomorrow. What We're planning on having integrity, right? Because we're followers of Jesus and His grace is going to help us even to say the truth when it's hard. And it might be nice to kind of wriggle out of something. But we're not. We're just going to stand up and tell the truth. God's got this. Faith and justice. Above all, don't swear by heaven or earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Like, this is serious. But we're not going to have dread on Judgment Day because we don't swear. We don't say naughty things either, but we don't swear because we trust in God. He's the one that's got our back. He's the, I don't have to say, well, you know, I swear by the heavens. You've got to believe me. I, I just tell the truth. You can choose what you're going to believe. It's not my problem. <laughs> God's got this. Amen. I, I love this question, and it was all around the judgment of Sodom. And... and um, Abraham, you know, he's talking to this angel of death or whatever, and, and, and he, one of the things, I love this question, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? 
come on. God's got this. He's got your back. And he is able to make you stand on Judgment Day. Come on. Oh, man, this, isn't this awesome? Okay, so takeaways. We're, we're going to do some takeaways here. I think I got four of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. First of all, make room for God to take vengeance. I was talking to someone not long ago, and they, weren't, they were just talking. They weren't listening, so I didn't say anything. But they were talking about taking revenge and, and all of this. And I, and I was thinking, man, that's so sad to live like that. But in, in Romans 12, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. God's got this. We don't have to take revenge. Now, we can do our part. This is the second one. It's kind of like the other side of the same coin. We can recognize our, our part in helping the unjustly oppressed. It says in Proverbs to rescue those unjustly sentenced to die. And you know, we can stand for the truth and we can fight against you know, modern slavery, the scourge that is in our, on our planet right now. And we can support those causes. And it, but we don't do it because it's all up to me. No, it's not all up to me. It's up to God. He's got this. We recognize our part but we realize that we make room for God. And I, I think there's sort of a little hidden, not hidden, but sort of a, a subtle meaning in that sentence. And if we don't make room for God, like if I take revenge, well, then God says, okay, well, it's done. I'm not doing it. You did it. I'm not doing it. You know, God's, God's the ultimate judge. And he's, he's able to make them stand too. So we don't have to judge them and take revenge on them because God's able to make them stand. They're not my servant. They're God's servant. Thanks, Pastor Matt. I think there was more of an amen than one, but that will take it. Thank you. Don't let bitterness cloud your perspective. Now, when we're judging, what we're doing is we're ascribing motive to the other person. We're, we're saying, well, I know their heart. They, they actually are dirty, rotten scoundrels. They didn't just make a mistake. But uh, listen, I know how oblivious I am, so I should probably have more grace for other people. All right? Don't let bitterness cloud your perspective. Hebrews 12, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, trouble you and corrupting many. So not only for their sake, for your sake, God's going to help us out here. And last but not least, leave your rights and life in God's hands. Hebrews 9, it says, just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, God will come again, not to deal with, listen to this, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's turn dread on its head and have hope and faith that God has got this. And we can stand in the day of judgment. I love this scripture, and I'm going to close here, and we're almost done. Psalms 98, 
It says, let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth, and He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. So here's the question. What's the evidence of faith in your life in this whole area of judgment and justice? The answer I'd like to propose to you is when you trust God for a righteous ultimate outcome. Amen. God bless you. Love you. I'll see you in a month.